0: Proverbs 22.6 is a very familiar text for most of us. And here's what it says. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Very familiar text. Now, I want us to get our minds around this concept just for a few moments. The word train up literally means create a thirst and an appetite inside of that child to desire what God inspires for them to live. Who has the responsibility? You and I. It is our responsibility as parents to create a thirst inside of those young lives that they would desire what God inspires for their life. Train up a child in the way he should go, she should go. The phrase, "and the way he should go or she should go, literally means this. You study their uniqueness. You study their God-given bent. You study their personality, their gifts, their abilities, the passions, and your job is to create a thirst inside of them for the unique story and narrative that God has placed within them. So our responsibility as parents is to coach up our kids from the time that God allows us to start to have influence in their life, which means even before birth, you pray over them before they're born. But then you've got to be intentional to train them up in the way they should go. That's the command. That's the command. Train them up in the way they should go. Here's the promise. And even when they get old, they will not depart. That is a promise from God, which means when you train up a child in the way they should go, when they get old, literally translates, they will know who they are, they will like who they are, they will be who they are, and they will not cave in to what the world wants them to be. Now, they're not blank books. The narrative has already been written on their souls and, and their hearts. It is our responsibility to find that uniqueness that God has poured within them and to bring it out for the glory of God. Now, here's what I personally believe. I believe every person in this room, every parent in this room, every grandparent in this room, I believe your greatest desire for your child and for your kid as they grow is not that they would be wealthy or famous, but I believe the greatest desire that we have within our hearts is that our kids would come to know Christ in an intimate, personal way and be useful for the kingdom of God. Now, that's what I believe. Now- What does it take for us to see that fulfilled? Psalm chapter 112, starting in verse 1. Listen to this. Blessed are those who delight in doing what the Lord commands. This is a parental statement here. Blessed are those who delight in doing what the Lord commands. Blessed are the parents who honor Jesus with their lives. Blessed are the parents who know the Lord, who know his will, who know his word, who know his ways. Blessed are the parents who submit and surrender to the Lord. Here 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 it is. Their children see the emphasis. Blessed are the parents, blessed are the ones that press in, lean into, seek the heart of God, respond to God's pursuit in their life. Their children will be successful everywhere. The word success there means they will have wisdom and skill to do life in such a way that celebrates the glory of God. Blessed are the parents who take this parenting piece to heart. Blessed are the parents who show up and get up and or prayed up and who are serious about the assignment. Their children will have success everywhere, it goes on to say, an entire generation of godly people will be blessed. Now, let me say this before I get into, like, some of the major points I want to hit today. Now, Barb and I are parents of five kids. We started this thing about 25 and a half years ago. And that's where I came up with a mindset of where's the manual? Because how Rachel was wired was different than Benji, Jesse, Hannah, and Caleb. I can tell you this. Parenting is a very, very difficult assignment. I do not stand here today as if my tassel has been turned and we've got this thing figured out. If anything, I can tell you there's been a lot of mistakes, a lot of failures, and a lot of regrets along the way. How many parents in this room have done everything completely perfect? Let me see your hand. Yeah, so I'm not speaking to any liars, I don't think. So it is a very difficult challenge that we have. But if we take... The word of God to heart and the wisdom of God that he gives us throughout the pages of scripture, I promise you, it will be a safeguard, it will be a compass, it will help you big time as you do parenting. Now, what can I give my children that will last? We live in a society where there's a lot of spoiled kids. We live in a society where our society is really promoting an entitlement mindset. And there's a lot of things that kids get today that they don't really need. There's a lot of things kids get today that don't really last, that don't have any real deep value to it. I'm just telling you. But what can we give our kids that will last? What will we give our kids that can really make a difference in their lives and matter? I want to give you six thoughts. One would be this. We can give them a godly example. It starts with you and I. It starts with us before we're ever able to pass it on to them. We must model what we mandate. If what we mandate we don't model, we send a confusing message to that next generation. I've got to live what I say. It's been said, what you're doing speaks so loud, I can't even hear what you're saying. So the walk and the talk must match. I'm going to stay in Proverbs a lot today. Proverbs chapter 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear meaning the reverence and adoration of God, the fear of the Lord. Man, I, 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 I want to have reverence toward God. I want to. I want to bow before him. I want to recognize the character and holiness of who he is. Only fools despise wisdom and discipline. You see a person that is walking in a very unwise way who absolutely shuns away from discipline. The scripture says they're fools. That's what what Proverbs says. Listen, my child, to what your father teaches. Don't neglect your mother's teaching. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and clothe you with honor. That is a challenge for us parents to say, then what am I teaching? As mom, as dad, what am I passing on? Because if Proverbs says, kids, listen to your parents, look to your parents. Deuteronomy, we broke down a few weeks ago about the importance of tying the word around our our neck and putting it on the doorpost and Tattooing it on your body, whatever you've got to do, we talked about the importance of the Word of God, where it should be in our lives, where should it be in our lives as parents? Do you know the Word of God? Do you study it? We need to give our kids a godly example. And I'm not saying that you've got to pretend to be perfect because you're not perfect. I'm not saying you pose. I'm not saying you fake it till you make it, and I'm not saying you guess at it. But what I am saying is, you can be real, you can be genuine, and you can seek to live a holy life with everything inside of you. God has called us to be holy as He is holy. Now, apart from Christ and the shed blood of Jesus and the redemptive work of the cross, we can't pull that off. But with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we can live a life that honors God. So I started writing down the other day just some character traits that I believe that we can model for our kids in regards to shaping them to becoming Christ-like. Like availability. Are you available? Do you make yourself available and open? Believability. Do people believe you? Contentment. Courage. Compassion. Discernment. These are all healthy, godly character traits. Are these things, are they really alive inside of me? How about faithfulness? Do I model that? Am I a forgiving person? Do I live a life of generosity? We say that your greatest apologetic to the world in which you live, meaning apologetic, the defense of the gospel that you can share, is that you live a generous life. Do people see That in your life, your kids, how about gentleness or honesty? Do they trust what you say? Humility, or do they see pride? Do they see you taking an interest in in their passions? How about integrity or joyfulness, kindness, love, obedient? You You can't mandate to your kids certain character traits that you continue to violate. And so God calls us to have this godly example. Pursue me, know me, let me shape your heart. How about patience, persistence, resilience, self-control, thankfulness, wisdom? Here would be my question. What do you consistently model? Where's the manual? This is the manual for all of us. I got to find out how they're bent. This is where I'm going. Thus saith the Lord. He gets the final trump card in everything that we're doing. But am I modeling the things of God to my kids, to my friends, to others? And I can promise you with all my heart, if your focus is on a godly example The greatest gift that Barb and I have ever given our kids is our walk with Jesus and our walk with each other. When they see that they're serious about the Lord, they're in the Word, they're praying, they're pointing us to truth, and when they see that we're for each other and we love each other, at the end of the day, the greatest gift that I've ever given my kids that are 25 all the way down to 14 now is my walk with Jesus, is my example. And the greatest thing you're going to give them, the greatest gift that you can pass on is a godly example. Here would be a second thought. Take this one to heart. Unconditional love. Proverbs chapter 4. My children, let your father's instruction, listen to it. Let it be in your heart. Pay attention and grow wise. I'm giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my teaching. Take my words to heart. Here's one of the words that my kids have heard repeatedly. I love you. I believe in you. I love you. I believe in you. You can do it. You you can overcome it. I'm telling you, greater is he who lives inside of you than he who is in the world. Uh, Listen to me. The unconditional love, the the words of saying, "I, I believe in you. If God's for you, who can be against you? He goes on to say, follow my instructions and you will live. Follow my instructions. Be imitators of me as I imitate the Lord. Learn to be wise. Develop good judgment. Here's what I believe. Our kids desperately need to see us extend to them true love, agape love. And true love, unconditional love, is giving them what they need, not just what they want. We're not about giving you just what you want. Your wants come and go. But the deepest needs inside of your heart is to realize, God loves me. God's for me. I'm telling you, the greatest thing, when we look at our kids, I'm not saying that we ignore sin, that we ignore waywardness, but when you're able to look at the heart and not just at the conduct, when you're able to look at the core of their belief and not just their behavior— It will change the dynamic. Personally, before I came to know the Lord, I lived lost. There was that window from 15, 16, till about the time I was 23. I came to faith in Christ right before I turned 23. And I can tell you, there was a lot of carnal, corrupt stuff that I did. And the woman that gave birth to me, praise God. She hasn't been able to be here in about three years, and Mama's here with me today. But I can tell you this. She sat on the front porch with me at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and she never damned me and dogged me because of my behavior. She loved me unconditionally. And I can promise you, as she looked at me, she never wrote me off. She never just said, you don't matter anymore. You're a fool. You'll never amount to anything. If anything, Mom sent there. And she loved me unconditionally. What has shaped me in becoming who I am today, 55 years later, was the unconditional love of that woman. And I know without a doubt in my mind, the greatest gift that I can pass on to my kids is to love them unconditionally. I've had people tell me over the years, man, Cash, you don't get it. My child has jacked it up so bad, rebels so greatly, I can't even stand looking at him." And it really tells me nothing about your child's behavior. It tells me everything about how you think God views you. It tells me everything about how you think God views you. God does not view you based on your behavior. And I had to wrap my mind around this. God does not love me based on my behavior. God loves me unconditionally. If you had to fill in this blank, God is pleased with me because blank, how would you answer that? God is pleased with me because blank, because I went to church, because I served, because I gave, because I love my neighbor, because, because I, I, I taught my kids some Bible stories, God is pleased with me because of Jesus, period. God is pleased with you because of Jesus, period. And when I realized the heartbreak that I was bringing to my mom and dad at times, they loved me. Eighth grade educated drywall man, paycheck to paycheck we lived on. I didn't want to hurt that man's heart. He had poured his heart out and given me everything. They were parents by the time they were 20. That woman that loved me and took care of me, I didn't want to break her heart. And when we wrap our minds around the fact that God loves us unconditionally, it's not licentiousness to sin. We don't want to break his heart. He loves us. He's for us. He believes in us. I want to do it right, Drew. I want to honor my king. I don't want to waste it away. Romans chapter 5, while we were still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his love for us. Even though we were sinners, Jesus still loved us and died for us. Give your kids a godly model. Press into Jesus, but give them unconditional love. A third thing is, give them encouragement and affirmation. Like apples of gold. Here's one of my favorite proverbs. Like apples of gold on settings of silver is a kind word spoken in the right circumstance. A kind word spoken in the right circumstances like a golden delicious apple on a silver platter. It it just, I mean, that was a delicacy of Solomon's day when he wrote that. Hey, hey, learn the power of encouragement and affirmation. Proverbs 3, my child, don't lose sight of good planning and insight. Hang on to them, for they will fill you with life. They'll bring honor and respect. And the proverb continues. Hey, hey, listen, listen, listen. I'm pulling for you. And there's a difference in praise and encouragement. Praise says, I'm proud of you for what you do. Encouragement says, I'm proud of you for who you are. Praise focuses on behavior and accomplishments. Encouragement focuses on the heart and encouragement toward that soul to grow it up to be the best that it can be. All these senior letters, I mean, people were kind enough to write something for Jesse. And I know if you've had high school students graduate, that's been kind of like a part of the thing. That never happened when I graduated. Uh, Nobody ever wrote me a letter. I didn't even know that kind of stuff existed. But you start to do that now. But I sat there on the plane the other day and started writing this letter to Jesse. And early on in the letter, I said to him, Jesse, I just want you to know I'm so proud of you not for any one accomplishment in your life. But I'm proud of the man you are. I'm proud of the heart that you have for God. I'm proud of the compassion and care that you extend to other people. I'm just so proud of you for your character. I'm proud of you for your character. I'm not proud of you because you're SAT, ACT, your batting average or your earned run average. That stuff has got a shelf life to it. But that heart that God is grooming inside of you, man, I'm so proud of you. And life and death is in the power of the tongue, and we have the ability to encourage that next generation to speak life and to speak hope and to speak direction. The old man told me when I was coming out of high school, as long as you bust your tail and give it everything you've got, I'll support you to chase your dream to play baseball, son. I'm glad you're getting a scholarship. I'm glad all this is happening. But I'll stand behind you if you bust your tail. But if you become lazy, you can go figure it out on your own. I'll stand behind you. Chase the dream. Chase it. And I don't think he said tell. This was in the B.C. days. (laughs) And he was a drywall man. I forget that word he used. (laughs) One of the things that we can pass on to the next generation, Chad, is wisdom. Wisdom is so important. And I, I want you to hear this. Proverbs 2, my son, receive my words and treasure, treasure my commandments. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom. I'll break down the difference between knowledge and information and education and wisdom. They're, they're, they're different words, but wisdom is such a powerful word. Even James says, anybody out there like wisdom? Wisdom then let him ask of God who gives generously and liberally to all people. James would go on to write in James chapter 3, the wisdom from above, oh, first it's pure. It's pure. Then it's peaceable, and it's gentle, and considerate, and reasonable, and it's full of mercy and good fruits, and it's unwavering, and it's sincere, and it's without hypocrisy. Take a test. Take take a test. The wisdom from above, the understanding of God, taking knowledge and information, and being able to incorporate that in an understanding way that you timely apply it. That's what we look at right there, Cody. We look and go, that's a wise person. They've got knowledge. They've got information. But they've got this understanding, and they know how to apply it at the right time. Man, that's a wise person right there. Do the wisdom test. The wisdom from above is pure. Here would be my question. Do those closest to me trust my motive? That would be your why. The wisdom from above is pure. Do people trust your motive? Do they trust my motive and why I do what I do? When, when people don't trust your motive, it hinders your ability to be a part of a team at a high level. Don't trust it. What's the from above is peaceable and is gentle, which means how well do I get along with others? And how well do I get along with others that are not like me? What's my social skill and people equities? What does that look like right there? Is he peaceable and gentle? considerate? Are you sensitive to the feelings and to uh, the needs of others? This is a huge one right here. Are you sensitive to what's going on around you? Are you sensitive that somebody else might be in the world? Or are you sensitive that somebody might be hurting when you walk in a room? Where are you at with being considerate? How about being reasonable? Do you always have to win? Do you always have to be right? I mean, Jeff, I love this. The wisdom from above, it's pure. And I trust you, why? It's it's peaceable. It's gentle. It's reasonable. It's unwavering, which means do you consistently stand on principle. It's been said that the quest for peace often leads to negotiated slaying truth. We live in a society where people are slaying truth for the sake of trying to get along with other people. You've got to ask the question, man, do I stand on principle? The scripture says that it's sincere. Do others see you as a straight shooter? I mean, that word sincere that is used in scripture is a pottery term. And when a potter would make a piece of a a clay pot or whatever he was making, they would hold it up to the light. And if there was no cracks and if it was pure, they would say, this this pot right here is sincere. But if it had cracks in it and they had used wax to fill in the holes and had painted over it, they would say, this is not sincere. The word sincere meant to be without wax or without cracks. It meant, you you can trust what he's saying. Can people trust what you're saying? And so I want to live a wise life. I I, I want people to be able to come to me for wisdom, not just knowledge and information. That's a wise dude right there. That's a wise person right there. I mean, when I look at our staff, I'm like, sit down and talk with Nick and Lisa. There's a lot of wisdom in there. Sit down and talk with Steve, man. He wants to help coach you up in this area. Dustin. Whoever our staff is, I will look going, there's a lot of wisdom, Julie, we have on the staff, Rachel. There's a lot of wisdom. But we, we, we don't want just knowledge. Knowledge plus understanding plus timely application leads to wisdom. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of old, said this, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are greater fools because of it. I was like, Spurgeon's right. There's a lot of people that know a lot, but they've become a greater fool because they don't have the mind of Christ to appropriate the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the information of God. So what can you give them? You can give them wisdom. Here's another one. We can give them healthy boundaries. We can give them healthy boundaries. Proverbs 6, he goes on to say, 23, 24 there, he says, the correction of discipline is the way of life. Obey your father's commands. Don't neglect this stuff. Tie them around your neck. God's teachings, I'm telling you, they're a lamp. Then he says, the correction of discipline is the way of life. How do you receive correction? Then you've got to ask, how disciplined am I? Robbie Zacharias said, rules without relationship promote rebellion. I want to have a healthy relationship with you. But when you try to give rules without relationship, it promotes within the heart of that person rebellion. So you've got to say, man, I want healthy relationship. As a parent, I'm not looking for friendship. I'm looking for God to shape you. I've been given an assignment. We'll be friends later on. But right now, we've got some parenting stuff to do but it implies that there's got to be boundaries. And the boundaries and the rules there are for your protection. I'm not trying to prevent you from experiencing life. I just want to try to protect you so that you can enjoy life the way God says life is to be lived. Boundaries are very crucial. For a child born into the world right now, born into sin, the world says it's all about you. you. Got bad news for you, students, young people. It ain't about you. It ain't ever been about you. And it won't ever be about you. It's about Jesus. It's about glorifying God. It's about honoring him. God was fine before he let me breathe my first breath some 55 years ago. It wasn't about me. It was about the one that was clothed in humanity in Bethlehem's manger. It was, it's about everything is about him. It, it, it's not about me. And he gives us these boundaries and different teachings to protect us. So here, here's where I would go. One, when it comes to boundaries, you've got to model healthy boundaries. Again, what you're doing will speak so loud, people can't hear what you're saying. So you've got to do it. You've got to model it. You, you've got to show that this is legit for you. I mean, do I live with responsibility? Do I live with accountability? Do I live being believable? Do I follow through on my commitments? Do I have boundaries in my life? What does your diet look like? How about your exercise game plan? How about your sleep schedule? What do you read? What do you watch? What do you entertain? You want me to share my faith, but you're not sharing your faith? I mean, come on, dude. How well do you give? How disciplined are you? And this this was so crucial for me. This was so crucial for me that I want you to know when daddy goes on a road trip, when I go out and about, I'm either going to stay with a family, or if I'm in a hotel, I'll have a roommate or I'll have a roommate right next to me. And I want you to know where I'm at. Now, our kids, we've downloaded that Life 360 app. I don't want that. I pay the stinking bill. I didn't ask you what you wanted. I want to know where you're at and be able to catch up with you at any time. But but here's the deal. I'm going to download it, and you'll always know where I'm at. Okay? I want you to know where I'm at. And mom's got it downloaded. You'll always know where she's at. Matter of fact, you can see how fast I'm going. I'm trying, That ain't trying to hide nothing from you. And I would take my boys on trips. And it's like, we're going to go to the airport. I'm going to show you how this works. I'd show them how to go up, how to print a ticket. This is how it works. Okay. We'd get on the plane. This is how it works. We'd fly. Bam. We'd land. Now, here's how it works. Make sure you got all your stuff. I got all my stuff. We've we got to be responsible. Okay. Now, we're going to walk out of here. We're going to go to that little rental car place. We're going to get on a bus, and it's going to take us to a place to get a rental car. Yes, sir. Now, we're going to grab a rental car. I'm going to show you how you deal with that person at the counter and what you got to have, right? They're going to want your license, probably an insurance card or something, but I'm going to show you how to do that. You're going to be with me. All right, this is a rental car, which means everything on this planet belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. This is a rental car, not a race car. We're not playing bumper cars. We're going to honor this car as if it belonged to Jesus. Y'all know how some people treat rental cars. And I know none of y'all are in this room right now, but that's okay. But then we would go and we would check into a hotel. Now, that right there is a bed. It's not a trampoline, okay? We're not going to jump on it, turn stinking flips. We don't do that at home. This is a bed. And if you let your parents jump on beds and hotel rooms and all that, shame on you. I'm not going there. But that's a bed. Okay, we're going to treat that as if it matters. But I'm going to take you with me. All right? You will see when I go to sleep. You'll see what I eat. We're going to do life together. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So when we're offering this internet safety class on Wednesday night, 7 p.m., I believe every parent, every person 18 and older should be in this room because we're going to educate you and equip you and help you when it comes to shepherding that next generation. You know as well as I do, I mean, these iPhones and all these iPods and iPads and everything else that are out there right now, I don't know what that would have looked like in our generation if we would have had it. I'm just so thankful we didn't because I didn't know how to color within the lines. But we want to help you and protect you. And if you're a mom or dad or grandparent, I'm telling you, this is going to help you because there's so much chaos out there. But we need to model healthy boundaries. Second thought would be this make the boundaries clear and concise. When you tell a child that there's a boundary, make it clear and concise. Here's what's expected. They'll have a hard time understanding what a boundary is if you keep moving it. Sit down and have a clear conversation of what's expected. I promise you with all my heart, we, and this is not dogging to hurt anybody, but in our bulletin and on our Connect card, we had for four weeks, we've got graduation Sunday coming up. We're going to have our graduates, but we need everything in hand by May 10th. Now, somebody's going to be late. But if we say our deadline is May 10th and we accept your stuff May 15th, what we're saying is what we say don't matter. And what we're saying is what we said that we were going to do, really we're not going to do. So once we compromise that, we have to compromise everything else because what we're saying is our boundaries don't really matter. We're just Milly vanilli up here spitting out words with no substance behind it. Not dogging, but when you have a boundary with your children, Here, here's the way this is gonna go down. Okay? Make sense? Because we've got to model it. Three, define the consequences. Ecclesiastes eight, eleven. You would be wise to write this down and memorize it, but Ecclesiastes eight, eleven became so crucial because healthy boundaries are dependent on understanding what will happen if the rule is broken. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, when the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled to do wrong. So what we're saying is when I ask you, hey, pick up your clothes. I'm not dogging you. We never played three, five, and ten games at our house. I'm going to count to three. This ain't a freaking math class. I'm parenting you, okay? I'm not over here working on my ability to count. I said, pick the clothes up. It's much like a SWAT approach. I will ask you, I will tell you, I will make you. It only takes a few times, and they realize that you ain't got to revert to math to have obedience. (laughs) When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled to do wrong, which means when you delay... Dealing with a situation, it's almost if we deny dealing with a situation. Now, I'm not saying I, I appreciate God's grace. I need, to, I, I need God's grace every day of my life. I, I, I can't move without God's grace. I'm just telling you where I'm at. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled to do wrong. Friday afternoon in Santa Fe, Texas, that dude should have been hung for killing all those kids in that school because we're going to put you over there and chill with you for a little bit. Then we're going to bring in to see what the psychological evaluation is. Then we got to figure out how you got guns, how you got access to guns, and what would make you do it. I believe that when a sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled to do wrong. Go hang the dude today. He killed all these people, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You believe in Levitical law? In a lot of areas, I do. But I believe the same principle of, I'm not saying kill you kids, but I'm saying. <laughs> you hear my heart on this all? Because I believe one of the things that are, that's been lost in our generation is there's no consequences. There's no no consequences. Aquarius, you did 20-plus years in the Navy. And I'll use Luke a couple of times here, one of the young men that's been with us for a while. But Luke sent Barb a note the other day. He sent me one, too. He sent Barb about a four-page letter. He sent me two words. So (laughs) the funny thing with Luke, if you know him, I would walk in on a Sunday morning during rehearsal practice. Nick and the guys would be here. I would walk in, and as soon as I walked through whatever door, all I would hear would be Luke saying, hey, Tim. I'd go, hey, Luke. And then I would float around, and he would go, hey, Tim. (laughs) Hey, Luke. So Barb's like, hey, you got this letter from Luke. It's three and a half, four pages. It's so awesome. So pumped to hear from him. I'm like, sweet. So I go over, there's an envelope addressed to me. It's got the stamp. Luke's return. And I'm like, this is going to be cool. i open it up, and all that says on the piece of paper is, hey, Tim. <laughs> I was like, that is the greatest letter I've ever got in my life. But the point is, Aquarius, while he's up there going through basics and everything, he's like, they don't ask you to do things but once. They didn't ask me what I thought about doing push-ups, what I thought about folding my bed, what I thought about. I'm like, we've got a few more we need to send there with you, Luke. But here's the next point here, is be consistent and follow through with your consequences. If you don't follow through, you, you don't have anything, seriously. I mean, if you decide that a rule stands, it stands. Now, we, we, we want to build everything we do out of the Word of God, but here's the way we do it here. And one of the things we do when, Dustin will tell you this, as he does our partnership classes now. When people come into our church, we go, we would love for you to come to our partnership class because one of the things we want to do is right-size your expectation, which means we assume that you've got some church marinade or some type of religious affiliation somewhere. We just want to tell you who we are. And we're not being rude. We we, We really are not into how they did it over there. We're just telling you who we are so that you'll know how we do things here, what the foundation and kind of the guardrails are. So that's important. Have healthy boundaries in your life. I'll finish with this. Number six, create an inviting atmosphere, please. Proverbs 15 says, a glad heart makes a cheerful face. And I believe with all my heart, if we've done anything well, and it's Barb, but I can tell you this, Barb has created an inviting atmosphere where love and growth can take place inside the home and food. And And with Jesse's graduation party today, there's going to be plenty of grub going down. But here's the deal. You walk in there and you sit down and it's, it's inviting. It's a place you want to hang out. That last morning, Luke left to to take off that Tuesday evening. He spent the night with us that Monday night. And it was so cool. That Tuesday morning, we were sitting there. And he just looks at me. He's looking around the living room. And he goes, I hope you guys never sell this house. I'm like, well, uh, I I don't know about that, Luke. But we've been here 20 plus years. I'm like, why don't you say that? He said, because this has been the place where my faith and my understanding of deep family has taken place. I want to be able to bring my wife and my kids back here because of how much this environment and atmosphere means to me. That was pretty cool, Jeff. For him to say that, dude, I was like, that's happening. Mom, you did that. I always wanted to go back home. We didn't have the fanciest house. We didn't have all the expensive stuff. My buddy Nathan, whose dad was the judge in Noonan, he loved coming over there. I hey, loved coming over there. The way you cooked, the way you created an environment where guys could be loved. Mom, it matters so much. You created that. I like going home. And I love for you to scratch my head. <laughs> 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 That's the truth. That is the truth. We'll go down to noon and now, and they get in line. I'm first, I'm second, I'm third, I'm fourth, and I'll all sit in front of mom, and she'll massage the head. And I'm like, man, I had so many kids, I have actually worked myself out of this gift. (laughs) But create a healthy environment. Have a godly example for your kids. Model integrity. You get one chance with them. You want to make it count. Thank you all for listening today, for opening up your hearts, and let the Spirit of God cement these truths in you. I just wanted to coach you up. It's difficult. It's not an easy task. But with God's help and through the power of the Holy Spirit, I promise you, you win at it.